Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, all you movie fans out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker speaking to you during the first week of October, 2011, and thanking you for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters today. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, you know, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. We have a great show in store for you today, folks. First, we'll listen to an interview with the very busy Tim Griffin, who's often referred to as that actor who's in everything. Tim boasts a host of acting credits and is now appearing on the big screen in Abduction, an action thriller starring Taylor Lautner from the Twilight franchise, and on TV in the new Prime Suspect series with Maria Bello. Then, after Tim's interview, we'll do some reminiscing about Cliff Robertson, who passed away recently. But first, let's check with Danny Dyer, for a chat room report. Are all systems go in the chat room, Danny? Yes, the chat room is open and we've rolled out the red carpet for everybody. If you're a guest and you want to sign up to chat in the chat room, go to the top right hand side of the web page, click on sign up. It takes a second. It's absolutely free. And you get all the behind the scenes goodies in the chat room. You are so right, Danny, and thank you for being such a great chat wrangler. And thanks to the people who are signing up for the chat as well as our other listeners. We really appreciate it. Now, Danny, as you know, I've been trying to schedule Tim Griffin for a long time. And, believe it or not, I finally caught up with him on the very day Prime Suspect premiered on television, which was also one day before the opening of abduction in our multiplexes, and he's such fun to talk with. So I'm glad we have this recorded interview to play for our listeners. Thanks to you, Danny, for editing and uploading the tape for us. So without further ado, well, you're very welcome. You did a great job, and uh, I appreciate it so much. So let's play that interview right now. Welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters, Tim. How are you today? I couldn't be happier. (laughs) Well, I couldn't be happier either because I just am delighted to get a chance to talk with you on a a day when you you must be very, very excited about uh, Prime Suspect and about uh, uh, abduction because Prime Suspect starts tonight. Am I right about that? That is correct. We premiere tonight on NBC. I believe it's uh, 10 o'clock Eastern Pacific and 9 o'clock Central. So, yes, it, it feels like one of those, feels like homecoming. I don't know what it is, but uh, <laughs> one of those. Well, I just can hardly wait to, to see on. that. I missed the, the premiere because I was filming, 
but uh, there are worse problems to have, but I hear it's great. So very exciting. Wow. Well, and then uh, tomorrow uh, abduction uh, opens up, so so it's a double whammy for you. Um, I'm I'm it's really looking forward whammy. to I'm that. I'm afraid that all of my friends and family are officially going to shun me because they're going to be sick of seeing me, and they're going to ask me to retire. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any chance of that, uh, Tim. But I've wa- I wanted to talk to you about uh, both of those uh, productions. Do you uh, about the characters that you play now? What type of character are you playing in in Abduction? Well, in Abduction, it's funny because it's actually kind of the perfect juxtaposition to the character that I play on Prime Suspect, um, huh. because the character in Abduction is, uh, you know, first of all, it's a very sort of Bourne-esque uh, thriller. You know what I mean? It's sort of a person, Taylor Laudner, who I think everybody in America knows at this point. You know, he he sort of goes on the run. He finds out that his identity is not, he's not who he thought he was, and he's sort of searching for that identity, much like in the Bourne, you know, series. And I, I feel like I can say that being a, a veteran of Bourne supremacy and, you know, yeah. producers were the same same team on this one, and they were um, they really wanted to surround Taylor with some actors, and I think a lot of us are there to sort of lend the weight to the the pursuit, you know, shall we say. So in that character, in that movie, I play a character named Flannel, which is a code name, Red Flannel, because that's how oh. Al Molina, who's sort of I'm working under. He says, a man is going to come find you. You will recognize him by his red flannel. And the great thing is there's all these great code names throughout the movie. So in the movie, I'm just relentlessly pursuing Taylor, who's been told by Sigourney Weaver, do not trust anyone. So you don't know which side of the equation I'm on. I think I say five words in the entire movie. I, I very much thought of it like Robert Patrick's character in the uh, second Terminator movie, where he played the team and yes. just that sort of, Two speeds, either slow, stealthy, relentless pursuit, or full-on run. In fact, it was ah. probably the most physically exhausting role I've done in quite some time. But it's a well, perfect it's sound- the prime suspect where Augie Blandow gets to talk, 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 and he loves to crack jokes, and he's just, you know, a ray of sunshine. So... <laughs> I I heard that heard you say uh, in one interview that he was like, sort of like the class clown. It, it, you know what's so funny is I don't know if they tailored it to me or if they were intending on this character being this way. Uh, I think they were intending because the guy that apparently I'm based on was known for that. You know, just sort of just the, the, the department cut up or whatever. It certainly matches my personality better than first of all the name Augie Blandow. You know, is he's Irish through and through, and, and you know that's my whole family. I think I think uh-huh. that's my family. They all went to Notre Dame. They all like my wedding ring, which is an Irish clatter ring. You know, is actually my yes. character's ring on the show. So it's kind of the perfect fit. And I love humor. I love not sort of taking myself too seriously, and sort of it, it helps me get along with a little bit like everybody. And you'll see that that's sort of the way Augie is. He's like kind of a a departmental glue that 
even got in, even when he's annoying you, you sort of love him. So that's sort of the relationship I developed with Maria Bello. At first, it's a lot of pushback you'll see from the pilot where she so is stirring the pot that a lot of guys, we really just don't even know how to react to her. But I'm one of the first people that sort of warms to her because she's good at her job, you know, and she's, she offers to buy me a drink, and I'm, that, that's how you win me over. So... <laughs> Well, she, you really get to work with her again, I, I understand, uh, in, a, in another film, Carjacked. Is, am I correct about that? Well, yeah, it, that's actually a strange coincidence because, you know, after, after both Marie and I have been working forever and we have sort of similar uh, dispositions, she's just super, she's a delight on set. She's so easy to get along with. She's such a regular, you know, down-to-earth person that uh, I had actually wanted to work with her and thought that we would work some point. There would be some intersection in our careers. You know, she was on ER in the fifth season or whatever it was, and I did the last seasons, and you know, but it sort of never added up. And then for whatever reason, the stars aligned, and next thing we knew, there were, you know, right before Prime Suspect, I had been in two other movies with her. So... I know, and doing the state, I went from never working with her to three projects in a row, abduction, and that was the joke. I took the movie that you're referring to, which is a small independent called Carjacked, which is her and Stephen Dorff, sort of uh, high stakes, you know, high, you know, uh, hostage drama, bank robbery kind of thriller, and I took it specifically to work with her, and then when we were set and we were shooting in Baton Rouge. I was like, you know, I just came off of this John Singleton movie. And she's like, wait a minute, I just came off the latest John Singleton. <laughs> and we realized <laughs> that no sooner had she taken off, I sat down to start my work. You know, none of our scenes overlapped. So by the time the prime suspect came along, I was like, she's going to think I'm officially a stalker. Because when I showed up, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. But we were so happy. Well, we were both nervous. It was the first day. None of us had met any of the other actors. And uh, it was like instant familiarity and an instant friendship. Well, I I can hardly wait to see to see that one too. And I've been a fan of Maria um, Bellows for a long time. Uh, the first time I saw her was in Coyote Ugly. Do you remember that film? I actually never saw Coyote Ugly, but I'm actually going to go on record and say something. What she's doing in this show, she's going to win something. I think when this is all said and done, she's going to get nominated. She she is so great. I mean, just so original and fresh and just mind-blowing what she's doing because she's bringing toughness and yet humor and just, you know, just creating this amazing character. And yeah, anybody that's watched her in something like History of Violence or whatever, I mean, she's just always been brilliant. But this is one of those roles, kind of like I feel like it does for all of us these are characters that are, are so three-dimensional that they really give a great actor a chance to just create something really special, and she is. I I'm, I'm think you, you're right about that, and the uh, promotional little little uh, uh, in, insert that they've prepared that, that shows in the uh, theaters is really wonderful yeah. about her taking her work home. You know, I've got to stop taking my work home with me that that is causing a lot of buzz and people people are uh, looking forward to seeing seeing prime suspect and we'll probably forget about helen mirren 
because uh, I know it's it's going to be a little bit different sort of a myself included. I love. I mean, it's definitely a different animal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, lo- I loved the original series, and and you know, Me too. Part, so it's not like we're we're collaborating on this modern remake. But I think everybody knew that it was in order to bring it to an American audience, set it in New York, make it you know hard hitting. I think there's, and I'm not going to offend anybody if I say I don't think there was a lot of humor as a one of the main ingredients of the. Uh, of the British version is just incredible layered acting and, you know, this sort of brilliant, but this is, so this is trying to sort of reinvent, uh, or reimagine it, shall we say, in a way that, that, that really, I think kind of works for today. Cause the original people forget the original prime suspect, 1991, I think it came out, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You'd be hard. And at the time that Helen Mirren was doing that, I think it was one of the first times that anybody was able to see a protagonist, a real lead character, uh, with exposed flaws. That was sort of unheard of. That's why it was so groundbreaking. You know what I mean? But we couldn't yes, I do. down the hole because at this point, you know, detectives that struggle with alcoholism or whatever, you know what I mean? It's all sort of been done, you know? Yes. So you've got to come up with, uh, with your own take, you know what I mean? Battle your own yes. demons. And, yes. and there's James got, James got well, I'm I'm just so excited about it, and uh, I love the original series too, and I'm a big fan of uh, Helen Mirren's also. But I can see how this was how moving it to New York and and the type of uh, character that uh, Maria is doing. I I think it's I think it's going to work, and I'm certainly going to have my fingers crossed uh, for that too. But I wanted to ask you in in terms of um, uh, playing flannel in Abduction and uh, Detective Blando in Prime Suspect. Do you was one of those characters more challenging for you than the other? Uh, do you have have one of them that's that that you favor more than the other? No. Well, first of all, you can't choose. That's like choosing between your children. Not right. <laughs> right. But, uh, I will say that, I mean, they presented different challenges. You know, a character like Flannel, who you, I mean, you'll see, it's Red Taylor Lautner's carrying abduction. It's the same way that Maria is carrying uh, Prime Suspect. Yeah. They're both great ensemble pieces. And, uh, but, you know, abduction is what it's built at, which is just high-octane action, you know, it's thriller, kind of suspense, spy drama, you know what I mean? And I do. The challenge for me is, you know, I definitely want to, and, and luckily I, it wasn't my, not my first time at this kind of rodeo, doing movies like Born Supremacy, and you know what I mean? But you want to add to the authenticity of that world, and sometimes the challenge is you don't have a lot of time to sort of establish it because the action has to move. So when somebody comes on screen, you have to sort of, in that person's face, you have to believe that they are firmly entrenched in that world. It sort of adds to the reality. It's why when you put an actor like like Maria Bello or Jason Isaacs, you know, look at the supporting cast in this movie, Alfred Molina, Sigourney Weaver. Oh, yeah. They just have such a gravitas about them that the minute they set a foot on screen, it, it doesn't even sort of matter what, how much time any of us have to sort of establish ourselves. You just believe us in these roles, you know? And Oh, absolutely. And, and with something like Prime Suspect, you, I, I think Prime Suspect is definitely the bigger challenge because 
you know, John Singleton's directing abduction. <laughs> he tells you to run. You say how fast. He tells you to jump. <laughs> you say how high. You know, from an actor standpoint, it, it, it's it's easy to sort of hit your marks. Peter Berg, when he hired us all to do um, Prime Suspect, he sat us down and said, "Look, this is not the Peter Berg show. I hired all of you, sort of, to find find these characters." and use your voice and feel, he's like, when I used to be on Chicago Hope and I would have a great, brilliant idea for my character, he's like, I'd have to submit it in triplicate to the network <laughs> to be parsed around and it would get back to me three weeks later and by that time I didn't even want to do it anymore. He's just like, it was such a, you know, even though Chicago Hope was a great show, he's just said, I, I want to facilitate the process. If you have something that you want to do for your character, this is what we hired you for. Like, be bold, make choices. And so in that way, it's sort of like acting without a net because they're putting you out there going like, you're doing great. Even Brian O'Byrne, who plays her main foil. Here's a guy who's uh -huh. just coming off of his Emmy nod and he's Tony winning, brilliant actor, you know, incredibly yeah. accomplished actor. And he would look at us going like, am I, you know, like, how does it seem to you? Because Peter is so fast. He wouldn't stop to sit there and go like, this is great. You know, he's just like, it's great, moving on. You, go, you know what I mean? He sounds like uh, Clint Eastwood. I've heard the same thing about him as as a director. I mean, just uh, one take and you're, and you're kind of finished. Yeah. And, um, exactly. well, so. We shoot our rehearsals, which is, is the first. I've never actually seen it. And some of the most brilliant stuff comes out of those rehearsals because they're sort of liberating, you know. You don't uh -huh. feel, you know. The yeah. the I, well, sometimes you don't even know where the camera is, and I think it adds to the reality of the show. You're not playing, you're not playing to a camera. You're not, you're just playing the scene, you know. And sometimes yeah. we're all and the character. Yes, we all, you know, have a lot of fun with each other. And it's well, you, Peter, you, I mean, Tim, like the eighth grade. Yeah. But, you well, know, it's just one of those happy accidents. Well, I I think it, you just uh, really are fortunate that uh, that you're you're having this this experience with these wonderful people. But I was looking at your bio, and my gosh, Tim, you've been in practically everything. <laughs> I was just I know that I had seen you you know so many times in so many different roles, but you. But with Tim Griffin. Yes. It's true. I've I've been a, I, I liken myself to a glue that holds many a production. <laughs> you know, I, I always joke. I, I just, well, you Oscar, you were talking Emmy, about the Bourne supremacy, and you mentioned uh, being in that. And uh, could you tell our listeners what uh, about uh, the interaction you had with Matt Damon when you were filming that? Oh boy. This is all right. This story. He's gonna come back and he's gonna punch my life out because he's like, "How dare you expose me?" Uh, no, couldn't be a nicer man, by the way, and brilliant actor. I think Jason Bourne is one of the greatest protagonists I've ever seen. I was actually a huge fan of the original, and I was in Bourne Supremacy when they cast me in that. Nobody knew that the franchise would kind of explode the way that it did, and I'm, I'm very proud of that movie because I feel like Bourne Supremacy was Paul Greengrass's first. Major, you know, he was handed the reins of a, a brilliant franchise oh. at two levels. But anyway, anybody who knows anything about Paul Greengrass's style, he's very almost documentary-based. 
so he's meticulous, but then he loves to he loves to shoot. He's a lot like Pete Bird. You know, he loves to get in there and capture the moments and. And so that was the particular sequence that I think you're referring to, is a scene where Jason Bourne has to disarm my character, Nevins, who's there to interrogate him. And, and the real sell is Bourne, you know, I have no idea who he is, basically. I have no right. idea that I'm in or, you know, that I'm in way over my head. So, of course, the scene plays like, I'm being very pedantic, I'm snapping my fingers in his face, which, by the way, was all sort of improv, Matt Damon made a last-second choice to not speak at all in the scene. And if you go back and watch Born Supremacy in this particular scene, it's just riveting because he's like an animal that you don't know when he's going to, to strike, and he's almost sitting there, almost catatonic, while I go on and on and on. And I remember. To the tension of the scene. So anyway, it all is supposed to explode into the thing about Jason Bourne, if he's going to disarm you or if he's going to take you down. He's ruthlessly efficient. So we worked out this brilliant fight. How quick could, could Bourne disarm him and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and we had it. We had it. We were in Berlin. We rehearsed it for several days. When we got in to shoot the scene, we were in a very cramped space. That room, that, the interrogation room, was probably like 10 feet by, by 12 feet. It was incredibly small. We had a whole crew in there. And Paul just loved what was happening. And he goes, you guys want to go right from the scene into the fight? First take, smash across the uh, bridge of the nose, ended up getting me a deviated septum. Luckily, oh, no. So it's one of those mythical, is that, did that really happen? It really happened. It so, really did. I must have heard that. It's a Hollywood, Hollywood urban legend. Did, did, did an actor's nose get broken on Born Supremacy? Kind of. Oh, wow. Well. well, I've had a nose so broken in another type of situation, and, and it's no fun. So how did Matt feel about that? Apparently, that was the first thing I asked when I sort of snapped out of it, was I asked if they had captured it on film, and they did. It's what the takes that they use in the film, which to me, thank God, if you're going to go for it, make it real. <laughs> well, you and you've worked with uh, George Clooney, and you've worked well with George Clooney in two films. I, I really enjoyed both of these films, Leatherheads and The Men Who Stare at Goats, and then... Fair Game, I believe I, I remember seeing you in that uh, film. What? And so, what, do you have among all these movies that you've made? Do you do you have any favorites? Um, well, you know what's funny is I, I, I must say that when I got the call to work, uh, that, that that Clooney was calling my number, shall we say? It was a football film. We use a little sports analogy. That was sort of like, I felt a little bit like Charlie Sheen in Wall Street when he finally bagged Gordon Gekko as a client. <laughs> Not that I bagged George Clooney. He basically came out and got me. But that's one of those sort of mystical closed circles. You know what I mean? George I do. Gekko, who, he, who he knows. You know what I mean? Or who he likes and admires. You can't force your way into a circle. I don't care how powerful you are because he's such a brilliant, you know, Oscar-winning director, Oscar-winning actor, you know, I mean, he's, he's or Oscar-nominated, I mean, he makes his own choices, and so... He's great. I was so honored, shall we say, because even though I had worked forever, when I got that call, it just felt like, they're like, you're going to go off 
four and a half months with Clooney. He's going to be your director. He's going to be your star, your executive producer. It just felt like, you know, Peter Pan is now taking you to Never Never Land. It was <laughs> for sure. He had such a great time. And then to get the call to do go. So that was my first time working with him, and I didn't want to be a a one timer, you know. So when no. he called me to do Ghosts, it was, you know what I mean. You feel like, oh, good. I didn't imagine it. We really did get along. And he's just—he's one of those guys that lives up to all of the hype that you've ever heard about him. His generosity, oh. his humor, his looks, his—you know—he's just, just brilliant on all levels. That being said, I can't let him know that I ever said that because he'll then come back and use my words against me, mercilessly. <laughs> I've heard I've heard about that kind of thing. Well, well, you and and you were in Inception, also. You had you had quite a streak of uh, of roles here, playing playing in movies with uh, with these A list uh, with the, these A list uh, actors, Sean Penn in Fair Game, and um, so Kevin Spacey, Matt Damon. You know, it's and doing you know. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man, Star Trek right. with J.J. Abrams. Like, I'm with you. I don't know what they put in the water in Chicago when I was growing up because it certainly wasn't a master plan by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> well, and here we are today. Well, you, well, you, you brought this, this up. It wasn't a master plan, but... But you've you've been acting uh, actually since a, a youngster, and and why did you uh, choose acting as a profession? I you know honestly this is one of those Oprah conversations because I feel like I didn't choose acting, and I don't want to say it chose me because that sounds horribly self-aggrandizing, but I'm just saying. I started very young in the theater. It was fun to do. I love to do the theater. I didn't like the business of acting to the point that, you know, when people say, I only wanted to be an actor and I couldn't envision myself doing anything else, I tried desperately to envision other things to do. I was going to go to grad school for political philosophy. I became a builder, and yet I just never stopped working. And it, was, it, it took me a few years when I moved, when I graduated college and I was working in Los Angeles, basically expecting my career to expire a la Menudo. You know, I figured out once I mm-hmm. get 25, they'll be done with the, the, you know, the promising young man and move on to hotter, fresher, you know, passers. But what you realize is you really do grow in your experience. I became a father. I got married. You know, it all sort of leads into your acting. and it, it, You know what I mean? It, it, you become that much better because your life experience sort of enriches your work. So it really yes. kind of took me a moment to sort of realize one day, and you know, it's doing things like when you when I was doing Born or when I was doing Grey's Anatomy, you look around and you realize you're not just holding your own; you're really sort of you're helping them create something special. You know that you're doing what you're meant to be doing. You know what I mean by that? It's sort of something that you maybe can't plan yourself. I know some people maybe they they dream it and it happens. And to me. I guess I've been a uh, a happy bystander in my own life because I I, I feel exceptionally fortunate, but I, I really never envisioned it being here. And being well, you must must be doing. Of of it, you know? 
well, you must be doing something right to you keep being calling, being called back, and and I'm just impressed with your, with with your versatility, which I'm I'm sure is going to be much in display when when we see these uh, when we see abduction and um, prime suspect back to back. We'll see. <laughs> It'll be yeah, right up there on the screen, the big screen and the little. I feel like. I've been out there doing so many different things, you know, either straight comedy or straight drama. What I love about Prime is it's kind of both. But, you know, you can't really typecast a person that's already sort of been the action or been the, you know, the goofball. Or get, you know what I mean? It, it's right. I feel like I've, like, arrived in exactly the way that I would have wanted to because now you, people do see your versatility and it's sort of, just opens your horizons in a great way. So I do think that these two pieces are wonderfully done. Yes, it, yes, I I know that we're we're going to be seeing you in in lots more um, films and TV. And I I uh, appreciate so much the time that you've taken to uh, to talk with me today. But I I do have two questions that I like to ask all of our actor friends when they come on the show. And the first one is, do you have any advice? wannabe actors that's, uh, that's a good question yeah because uh, what I would say is to choose a profession like acting uh, I, I think I, I think Alec Baldwin I saw him once on back when interview at the actor studio had started he's the most articulate answer sort of regarding acting that I've ever seen acting is definitely something that you do because it's it's sort of a part of you. It's sort of part of your DNA, and you need it sort of as an expressive root in your life. But don't go into it expecting to be famous, because you'll be... He's like, there are many famous people out there that are not actors, and there are many actors out there that are not famous, you know, that are doing local theater in places like Chicago, whatever, some of the best actors I've ever seen. Those are real actors. Those are people that show yeah. up. Build, you know, put in the work. You see the stand-ins and the extras. That's a great way to sort of get your feet wet in film and television because that's hard work. It's not always appreciated, but you're able to sort of be a fly on the wall and see the way different people sort of go about this process. And it's and and I've been really lucky and spoiled because the directors and the actors that I've gotten the privilege to work with go about it in the best way. You know, they're the they're the most talented, the most, and you realize they treat everybody with respect, you know. And that's what I'd say on your journey. You might, you know, treat everybody with respect because you might rise to the top. But if you've been, if you've been a complete dirtbag on the way up, you know what I mean. Pe- people, oh, I do. Precede you, and by the same way, if you're humble and you work hard, you people look at it and appreciate it. You know, I think that's. That's how you make the best impression. Just do your best work, you know. Oh, I think that's excellent uh, advice because uh, nobody wants to work with a jerk, right? <laughs> so oh, we want to be. Jeremy Clooney has an unofficial no. I, I have to dumb it down. A hole policy, and he does research. <laughs> he doesn't care how big you are. If you are a jerk, he refuses to work with you. Like I know, so that that's ex- excellent advice. Also, the, what you said about uh, yeah, and 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 the feeling that it's really something that that's part of your that's part of you that that a way of expressing 
uh, yourself, uh, and and you have to have the passion for that, and then be someone who's easy to work with. So, so uh, any of our young wannabe actors or older wannabe actors, uh, please follow the advice that uh, that Tim has has given you today. Now, the last question that that we have is, what's the most important thing you want? our listeners to know about you and your work, Tim. Oh, just that I'm a <laughs> I'm an everyman, really. I mean, honestly I've been super I, I feel like I'm one of the luckiest men in the world. I, I, I don't know if I saved the Dalai Lama's kitten in another life or what happened, but <laughs> I do feel like uh you know, just coming from growing up in Chicago amongst the regular people, you know what I mean? I'm happy to count all of those people as the friends that I have today, and, you know, you meet new friends going on, but it doesn't change who you are. You're still the same person, or at least I hope to be, you know what I mean? And I think it's sort of, it sort of has been what has opened all the doors for me in acting and sort of remaining true uh, to myself. As you can probably tell, folks, I really enjoyed talking with Tim. And I have to report, since that interview took place, I got to see both abduction and prime suspect. Although Tim isn't on screen as much as I would like, he's very convincing in both productions, playing two completely different characters, as he pointed out. And I want to thank him for doing an interview with me during a very busy day for him. Now, I'd like to spend a few minutes remembering Cliff Robertson, one of my favorite actors. I was so sad to learn of his passing. I loved watching him in such films as Gidget, Obsession, Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken, Best Man, Three Days of the Condor, PT-109, Spider-Man, and Charlie. What a remarkable acting career he had. It spanned over 50 years and included roles in over 100 movies and television shows. Remember, everyone, it's Cliff Robertson as Uncle Ben in Spider-Man who said the famous line, with great power comes great responsibility. But in addition to his acting accomplishments, Robertson took a brave stand against corporate corruption in Hollywood, which actually cost him, cost him some work because he was blackballed for, uh, from the screen for, uh, for some time, and I think that, that's definitely too bad. But he was also involved in many national charities, including United Way and, um, and the Red Cross. I understand as a pilot, he uh, delivered uh, food supplies to some of the uh, uh, hunger-stricken third world nations. So um, I just felt so honored to have a chance to meet Cliff Robertson in person several years ago when he came to San Diego Mesa College to accept a special award for his Oscar-winning performance in Charlie. As MC of the program, I became worried because uh, Mr. Robertson was going over his allotted time explaining why he wanted to make a sequel to Charlie. So I asked him very politely to sum up in one sentence the movie's most important message. Robertson paused, smiled at the audience, and told them, I think that's the nicest way I've ever been kicked off stage. Well, my face got very red, and everyone laughed, of course, but they all knew I would never, 
never, never kick Cliff Robertson off any stage. Besides being a wonderful actor and a very nice guy, Cliff Robertson had a great sense of humor, and he will be sorely missed. Thankfully, we can still watch his movies on DVD. Turning now to a lighter subject, some of you listeners uh, may remember Dr. Ravi Godsey, who came on our show a while ago to talk about his very funny comedy, If It Ain't Broke, Break It. That's the show when Steve Gutenberg, one of the cast members, called in demanding more close-ups from Dr. Ravi, and we all got such a kick out of that, uh, that particular show. Well, you'll be happy to know that Dr. Ravi has a terrific offer for listeners, and I promise to mention it on the show. He has changed the name of, his, of the movie for DVD release to Help Me Help You. And everyone can find out more about that by going to his website at www.helpmehelpyoumovie.com. If someone buys his movie and doesn't laugh, they get their money back, plus an apology from Dr. Ravi for having wasted their time, and they get to keep the movie. Dr. Ravi says, this is no stunt and there are no hidden pitfalls. You don't even have to fill out a form or tell him why you didn't like the film. So, dear listeners, if you enjoy comedies, and this one definitely made me laugh, please consider taking Dr. Ravi up on his offer. Now, I see that our time is almost up, and, and um, I've neglected Danny and the chatters, so I'm going to call on Danny now uh, for her reactions to the interview with, uh, with Tim Griffin and for any uh, comments or questions that have uh, come up in the chat. So, so Danny, you're on. Oh, my, my time? I'm <laughs> just playing. Right, your time. Uh, oh. I really liked Tim. His personality was very catchy to me. He had quite a great sense of humor. I giggled the whole time. <laughs> I had a hard time keeping a straight face with him. And and imagine being um, hit in the nose by Matt Damon and not expecting it. And that was, to me, a, a revelation I hadn't I hadn't heard about. And then saying that he must have <laughs> saved the Dalai Lama's kitten in another life <laughs> to have all of these good things happen to him. I thought that was that was some, really Yeah, he has some wonderful stories. Yes, and he's just been um as his publicist mentioned, people refer to him as the actor who has been in in everything because he hasn't had, you know, main roles, but he's been one of the characters in uh, in so many movies and so many television shows. But I thought we were really lucky to get him right now with all the publicity surrounding Prime Suspect and uh, and Abduction. So, uh, so thank you, Danny, for uh, making sure that the, the interview got uh, edited and uploaded. I really do appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. And I wanted to ask you about Cliff Robertson. Have you ever seen any of his films? Well, I know who you're talking about from Spider-Man, but I'm a little ashamed to say no. That's it. 
Well, I I feel so bad for everyone who hasn't seen him in in some of his uh, his movies. I, he was fine in in Spider Man, but if you get a chance to see Charlie, this is the movie that he won the Oscar for, and he played a mentally challenged um, person who uh, was uh, experimented on and became a genius for a time, and. Cliff Robertson was just magnificent in that movie. In fact, um, I think that's one of the very, very best film performances ever. So that's C-H-A-R-L-Y, and I would encourage all of our listeners, if they haven't seen Charlie, to uh, look it up on Netflix or Amazon.com and be sure to um, to see that because it you really, really will enjoy it, and you'll know then how talented uh, Cliff Robertson really is. So, all right, I think that we've uh, we've uh, almost used up all our time, and I want to thank you, Danny um, and Chatters. It's great to have your participation. And so this is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout-out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support. Special thanks again to Tim Griffin for being such an interesting guest, and to Danny for helping to make hosting this show a real treat for me and to our chatters and other listeners for tuning in today. Please come back next time for another lively discussion about movies. In the meantime, don't you forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. Now, in honor of the new Footloose movie opening this month, let's all cut loose with Kenny Loggins and... Footloose.